the presentation of anarchism a social philosophy which aims at the emancipation economic social political and spiritual of the human race the emancipation Anarchist Essays is brought to you by Loughborough University's Anarchism Research Group. For more information on the ARG, see the link in the show notes or follow us on Twitter at ARGLBORO. Oscar Wilde, Anarchism and Aestheticism by Jaglin O'Donnell. This podcast draws on research that I'm carrying out from my next book, Revolutionary Wild, which is an account of Oscar Wilde's revolutionary life and times that I'm currently writing with the support of a British Academy Mid-Career Fellowship at Liverpool John Moores University. Today I will discuss how the themes of anarchism, anti-colonialism and art are key to Wilde's literary writings. He believed that these issues were interrelated and while Wilde has traditionally been viewed as an apolitical or even as a conservative author, and he's still viewed in this way by many critics, his works remain important anarchist texts that engage very directly with class struggle and anti-colonial themes by highlighting their relationship to art and culture, issues that remain very relevant to us today. And I'm very interested in the really the, 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 the crossover between Wilde's anarchist and anti-colonial perspectives as an Irishman, as a, as a revolutionary anarchist and socialist, he was very keen to draw on really the contemporary circumstances and the contemporary forms of state violence that he witnessed uh, in Ireland and which he also witnessed in Europe and in Britain and in the United States as well uh, throughout the, the duration of his life and he, he emphasized all of these matters. He, he, he voiced his concerns about them throughout his literary career. Wilde is generally regarded as someone who made an unusual or uncharacteristically political statement in his 1891 essay, The Soul of, the Soul of Man Under Socialism. But through over a decade of research, I've found that to the contrary, Wilde believed very strongly in these matters. Um, he was very supportive of workers' rights, of the rights of immigrants, of the rights of the colonised and the dispossessed, and of the most vulnerable in society too, particularly children, children who were bearing the brunt of capitalist and imperialist violence at the end of the 19th century. And hopefully what I'll discuss during this session will maybe give listeners a chance then to revisit Wilde if they hadn't had this sense of his, uh, really of his comprehensive radicalism before and really anarchism is key to this. The other issue that I want to draw on as well is that Wilde was a key, I believe a key figure in the anarchist movement, although he wasn't committed to a particular political organization or party, he very much believed as an aesthete. The aesthetes were the advocates of aestheticism. Aestheticism was a belief and practice that privileged art and culture and culture in all of its expressions, art in all of its expressions, um, 
in terms of really in terms of its broadest appealing application across society and this was an inherently counter-cultural movement so Wilde with his radicalism with his anarchism fitted very comfortably within this movement of the 1880s and 1890s and indeed became one of its most famous uh, proponents. So in The Soul of Man Under Socialism Wilde famously declared that quote disobedience in the eyes of anyone who has read history is man's original virtue. It is through disobedience that progress has been made through disobedience and through rebellion. Wilde's anarchism then and his aestheticism are interlinked in this essay. It's a wonderful tour de force that offers the reader an insight into Wilde's, really into the, 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 the range and the depth of his research, of his command of history, of culture, of literature, um, and also his understanding of his own moment as well in the 1890s. But prior, shortly, Prior to this, uh, roughly eight months before this essay was published, Wilde had actually written another essay as well, which was a review of Herbert Giles's translation of the essays of Chuang Tzu. And Chuang Tzu was an ancient uh, Chinese philosopher, and Wilde was very interested in what he had to say, because although he had written uh, way back in the days of antiquity, much of what he said or what he had to say and to teach still about authority, about the state, about culture and about violence still resonated with Oscar Wilde. So in this particular publication, but also throughout his essays, his book reviews, Wilde was a prolific reviewer and his public lectures in fiction, Wilde advocated mutualism. He was a, a very, uh, a very committed admirer of Peter Kropotkin's ideas and especially around mutualism and if you read his short stories in particular his fairy tales you'll, you'll actually see within those very compassionate um, calls really for for mutualism to be practiced among and between people as well the the, the idea that we can cooperate that we can actually govern ourselves without authority, the idea that we can actually operate independently of, of capital and the, the really the, the really violent measures through which it's enforced and its, its, its practices are operated. So why then is Oscar Wilde seemingly just a literary writer according to many of his biographers so important then a figure for the study really not just of literature, but also of the politics of the fantasy act at the end of the 19th century. So my answer is that despite intensive conservative propaganda that depicted anarchism as an ideology and practice of fringe lunatics, it was in fact during this period widely considered to be a serious political alternative. That it was an alternative that actually had a mass following uh, that was very popular and it was one that Wilde was deeply interested in and his circles included uh, figures like Peter Kropotkin whom he met um, whom he compared to Christ 
and also the French anarchist Félix Fénion. Uh, Fénion is one of the most important and one of the, 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 the wittiest figures from the literary and cultural and political scene in contemporary France, France at the end of the 19th century. So Wilde himself claimed that, quote, I was a man who stood in symbolic relations to the art and culture of my age. That was a claim that he made, a very important claim in his letter uh, to his lover, Alfred Douglas, that he wrote to him from prison shortly before his release in 1897, uh, posthumously then subsequently published as De Profundis, From the Depths. So Wilde certainly did stand in symbolic relation to the art and culture of his age, and it's my argument too that Wilde, the anarchist, stood in important symbolic relation to the art and culture of his age. So what we have here is really a, a crossing over of, of Wilde, the literary writer, and Wilde, the radical political uh, anarchist as well. And what I want listeners also to think about is the very constructive relationship between anarchism and radical literary practice. What we have are two avant-garde here that actually I should well, in, in, in Wilde, I, I may correct myself because in Wilde's perspective, from his point of view, they weren't two separate entities that was a single avant-garde, uh, the avant-garde of radical literary, cultural and, 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 and political practice. So late 19th century anarchism had a decidedly literary character, and I've written about that in my first book, Blasted Literature, uh, which looks at Victorian uh, political fiction. And Wilde's political and literary contacts, as I mentioned, had included Fenion, but also John Barlas, the, 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 the anarchist poet who was very badly beaten by the police uh, during Bloody Sunday, which was when the, the, the police and the military attacked peaceful demonstrators in London in November 1887, who were calling for a range, a range of demands. They, they called for an end to internment without trial in Ireland. Uh, justice for the 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 the, the, the Haymarket uh, accused in 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 in, in, um, in Chicago, and his contacts also included the anarchist, uh, the Scot Scottish anarchist Thomas Hasty Bell and Sergius Stepniak. So along with Peter Kropotkin, what we see here is a quite a range of quite a range of figures who are working, working really and and, and viewing the world, and thinking about writing about literature, about culture, from an anarchic or an anarchist perspective, which turns the disruptive politics of anarchism. Well, it's perceived as disruptive, but what they actually do is they offer a constructive, a very constructive uh, model for culture and society. Wilde also had earlier, at the beginning of his career, announced that, I and I'll quote him directly here, I would dignify labour by stripping it of its degradation and by developing all that is beautiful in the labourer's surroundings and opening his eyes to it. I would speak to the hard-working people whom I wish I could reach through the prejudice that shuts them and me away from each other. And while here was really addressing the ways in which the press was trying to construct him as a conservative figure, that, was, that statement was made in 1882 in Sacramento during his tour of the uh, United States. And what's very interesting there is that Wilde really placed himself in opposition to the, really the, the, the conservative literary mainstream. Um, and, and just 
you know, in terms of really examples of polar opposites of Wilde, we think of writers like Robert Louis Stevenson, who was very conservative, famously racist and imperialistic. Uh, Henry James, for example, who had enormous problems just with working class people um, existing other than to <laughs> other other than to support bourgeois society and so on. And Wilde really was unique for this period because he by the by by the time that he had brought himself into symbolic relation with the culture of his time, he refused to compromise. Wilde would not stand back and, and, and really compromise his views or his statements. And he was really he, he was really uh, he, he continued in this radical vein throughout his career. And the anarchists who Helen and Olivia Rossetti, the, the sisters who published the, the Torch with their comrades in, in London, the Torch magazine, or the Torch, the, the newspaper, the anarchist journal in the mid-1890s. In 1895, made the point that Wilde was tried and convicted, not just for the crime of a very common gross indecency or homosexuality, he was also tried for his literary genius, for being a radical Irishman, for his Irishness, his radical Irishness, and also for his radical political views on class and culture too. So the, the, the trial was very much interpreted by contemporary anarchists as being a very political uh, show trial indeed. In his essay on Chuang Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, Wilde made the point that Chuang Tzu, and I'll quote him directly again here, was, quote, more than a metaphysician and an illuminist. He was a, he was a philosopher as well. Wilde tells us that Chuang Tzu, quote, sought to destroy society as we know it, as the middle classes know it. So what we find here is that Tzu's strangely modern themes then challenged the political and cultural challenges, or sorry, political circumstances of late Victorian capitalism and its very alienating forms of modernity. Wilde believed that Tzu opposed what he called, quote, the mischievous idea of government and quote, its intolerable sense of obligation, that the government was intolerable. And it's also worth remembering too, that when Wilde was writing, um, Britain was governed really through a series of coercive laws as well. These were applied very directly in Ireland. Um, Ireland wasn't part of Great Britain, Great Britain, the, the kingdom was, the, sorry, not part of the Royal Kingdom. The Royal Kingdom was Great Britain and Ireland. But Ireland was the colonial laboratory where these measures, uh, such as internment without trial, total police powers and so on, uh, were, were brought home to roost really in, eight, in November 1887 on Bloody Sunday when Wilde's friend John Barless was so grievously injured by police. And Wilde is really speaking to this, this moment of permanent emergency, this moment of permanent repression. And these are things that will ring a bell today for many people. There's this thing says Chuang Tzu, as leaving mankind alone, Wilde tells us. He continues, there has never been such a thing as governing mankind. All modes of government are wrong. They are unscientific because they seek to alter the natural environment of man. They are immoral because by interfering with the individual, they produce the most aggressive forms of egoism. They are self-destructive. So for Wilde, Tzu's excessively dangerous, as he put it, vision 
really was a model for radical political and cultural thought in Wilde's own day. And I'll conclude with this. Wilde argued that this had all kinds of potential for applications in domestic and colonial settings, for example, in Ireland and further afield. And remember, Ireland was a very violently governed colony that was on England's doorstep. He tells us, Chuang Tzu lived more than 2,000 years ago and never had the opportunity of seeing our unrivaled civilization. He's referring to the British Empire. And yet it is possible that were he to come back to Earth and visit us, he might have something to say to Mr. Balfour, that's Arthur Balfour, the Chief Secretary for Ireland, about his coercion and active misgovernment in Ireland. Perhaps it is well that Chuang Tzu cannot return. So here, and this is where I'm really excited about Wilde, what Wilde does is that he relates anarchism and anti-colonialism together. He tells us that both struggles are closely interlinked. And it's important to remember that this was in a, in, 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 in published in, in his book review uh, that appeared in the Pall Mall Gazette, which was a widely circulated newspaper, a key London newspaper at the time. And what Wilde is, and it's typical very much of, of Wilde's views as expressed throughout his career as well. I've, I've done 10 years of research on, on his other statements and it's it really is these and, and his, his other lectures, uh, his other book reviews and, and so on and it really is material like this that brings Wilde back to life, brings him back to life for us today in 2021 when, when again we're, we're facing all kinds of challenges and forms of violence, um, all kinds of emergency powers as they're called, all kinds of, really all kinds of state violence that emerge in the colonial setting. And Wilde, as an anarchist then, uses this as, really as the material then for all of his creative literary writing as well. So next time you read The Importance of Being Earnest or go to see it being performed, indeed the picture of Dorian Gray when you read that again, and especially when you read Wilde's short stories, do have a think about how how those, those works might relate to these issues because for Wilde's contemporaries, his political views as expressed in those works were very clear indeed. And what I want to do now with my new book, Revolutionary Wilde, is really to bring that back into, back into popular focus. Thank you for listening. To help others find Anarchist Essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.